Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. to another exciting episode of SFP now. Uh, this is kind of um, our pre-Halloween um, show um, because we basically have um, um, a new director on here um, who made her directorial debut um, with a cracking film which has just come out on DVD and Blu-ray called Blood Punch. Um, so you know, my, my special guest today is director um, and producer, and she writes uh, she writes cartoons and animations for Disney. Um, it's Madeline Pats- Patsman. Um, so, without further ado, we're just going to run the interview and get straight on with it. So they tell me you're really smart, Milton. Chemical engineering degree, something like that. Something like that. I need to find someone who can cook high grade crank, and I need to find them fast. One day and one day only. That's it. You're set for life. But you know what I can't have? What I absolutely cannot risk is you falling in love with her. Russell is dangerous. A pure 100% psychopath. I'll never get away from him. Not alive, anyway. Well, we've now killed my psychotic ex-boyfriend three times. And it would appear that he won't stay dead. Is this universe giving us a, a cosmic test, or am I just going crazy? Look, I told you, we did this all yesterday. You can't go on like this, Milton. Something has to be done. There must be 10,000 different ways to kill somebody in this place. Let's just try every single one of them and see what happens. No, there has to be another way. You can't reason with him. He's a psychopathic maniac. I think you're right. I'd like to welcome um, Magdalene Patsman Patson to the show. <laughs> Um, who, who's um, been, been involved in a, a great movie that's like been doing the uh, doing the rounds in recent years um, called Blood Punch. Um, how you doing, uh, Matt Madeline, and welcome to the show. Great, it's so great to be here. Thanks so much. Oh, it's, it's great having you. It's going it's to be interesting, uh, you know, talk, talking to you. I think. Uh, I think the first question I have for you is, uh, how did you get into the world of writing and directing? Was it was it always your plan? Well, um, first of all, my main job is I'm a cartoon writer. I write stuff for kids, right? So, but it turns out, and I went to film school because I loved movies when I was, I went to college and went to film school and I did love writing too. And I decided I would more follow the writing track because film production is very exhausting, you know? And I thought, all right, I'm going to do something that's a little more life friendly, I guess. And so that's, I fell into writing cartoons, but always wanted to make a movie. So when the opportunity finally presented itself, you know, always sort of played with the idea of making movies, but back in, that was before digital became a thing you could actually do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, everything was shot on film, and it was so prohibitively expensive that it, you know. And we, Eddie Gazelian, the screenwriter of Blood Punch, and I had talked about making a movie for years, and finally we did it. Cool. Um, well, well, on the subject of uh, of kids' television, I noticed that you you've worked on the uh, Tarzan animated series. Yes, um, I did. And as a fan of Tarzan generally, you know, which includes the feature films and TV shows, I'm wondering if you can ever see a time where we we could get an updated version of the character, um, you know, returning as a mainstream TV show, um, you know, in, in the current time. Tarzan is a great character, and be, working on this, I had never read the novels until I started working on the series. And what a great character. Uh I would love to see a series. Now, are you talking about a live-action series or an animated series? Because I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see a decent live-action series come back because they, they they've had quite a few over the years. You know, in the nineties they had the one with Joe Lara. Um, in the seventies we had Ron Eli, and you know, there's been all sorts of live-action, but there's not what not really been one song I can in this last decade that's really taken hold. They did one. In, in, in 2003, four maybe, where it's Tarzan in New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a you know Tarzan because it's such a physical character. The the physical part of the character is so difficult for an, a human to pull off. It it lended itself to animation very well. But I agree, it'd be great to see a live action Tarzan. And you know, there's a city here not far from where I live called Tarzana. Which is named after Tarzan because that is where Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote the novels. And that's where his, like, we actually got to go to his estate, what's left of it anyway, and check that out. And that was very special. Um, and it would be awesome to have a, a live action Tarzan. Well, the reason that question was on my mind um, in so many ways is I've just recently read the. Uh, Andy Biggs novels um, of Tarzan, which are basically for younger readers, but you know he he's done a pretty good job of updating the Burroughs character and and actually setting it all in the twenty first century and dealing with twenty first century issues to do with the environment within within the context context of his novels. Mm-hmm. You know, which was good, and I'd kind of like to see something like that on television, although. I also like, you know, in the Edgar Rice Burroughs, the sort of like supernatural elements and the um, and the sci-fi elements that that were, that would air with the character as well. Yeah, because he went to a lot of interesting places, and we were able to do that in a cartoon because it's a cartoon. You know, you, it's easy to it's easier to have dinosaurs and whatnot in a cartoon. Well, as far as I can tell, um, your directorial debut, The Mud Punch, um, is. Probably the most adult-targeted thing you've you've done today. Um, how, how did you find the transition going from kids' television to something as dark, humoured, and adult-centric as Blood Punch? Um, you know, at the end of the day, storytelling is storytelling, which I was pretty surprised. Um, and and it's quite helpful in a lot of ways, also in that when you write, at least specifically cartoons, your characters have to have very specific character traits which they can't just kind of meld into each other. Um, And Blood Punch, you know, we pretty much try to do the same thing, where the characters are very specific character types and have their special, specific personalities, individual personalities. Um, But, yeah, I have to say, and, you know, also cartoon writing is, at the end of the day, it's 
pretty visual, even though you're writing a script. You have to still think of it in visual terms, which was really helpful when directing a movie. So it didn't feel like it was that different, frankly, except for the tone. <laughs> Very yeah. inappropriate for family. Yeah, the, the, the tone, um, you know, so I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the... Uh, to, to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode that, that features uh, elements from Blood Punch. <laughs> you know? um, it'd be probably quite fun to watch. Um, it, but it's, it's kind of funny because the, uh, some of the subject matter of Blood Punch uh, ties into this next question. Um, and that is, in recent years, we've seen a lot of TV and films that kind of explore both sides of the illegal recreational drugs argument. Uh, we've had shows such as Weeds and and most recently Breaking Bad. I'm just wondering, were either of those shows in any way an inspiration for, 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 for some of the uh, drug-related elements that you had going on in Bullet Punch? You know, it's hard for people to believe this, but we are here. We have a character named Skylar who is a, name, a character from named it from Breaking Bad also, but it wasn't based on that character at all. It was kind of a coincidence. And by the, when we first started putting together Blood Punch, um, Breaking Bad wasn't, I think it had just come out and nobody had really heard of it and we hadn't even seen it yet. But once it got big, there's a lot of stuff that could that was in the original Blood Punch script, which I pretty much said, you know, we could cut this because everybody knows this stuff from Breaking Bad already. They're already schooled in a lot of these technical meth-making things. So, you know, it made it easier to just trim a little dialogue of descriptions about stuff. So it was actually quite helpful in that way. <laughs> so. Yeah, the only trouble is with making meth in this country is the problem is trying, trying to find a secluded cabin in the woods somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because you know, so the UK is so so vastly populated, it'd just be difficult to do. <laughs> um, we have a lot of land here, so yeah. I mean, so like, um, actually, I I come up with a diabolical scheme of building my own submarine and having a meth lab in that. <laughs> you know, some, something like that. That's a whole other movie right there. You know, or, or maybe 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 follow the uh, you know James Bond playbook and uh, build 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 a. Um, build a secret base in the side <laughs> of an active volcano or something. That would be a great idea. And another great movie, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, where, where did you get your ideas from for, for Blood Punch? Because, it's, you know, there's a lot of pretty dark stuff in there, some great visuals. Um, I mean, a, not, a notable visual for me is the uh, is a part where, you know, where, where, where Mil Milton, is it? Is, is torturing uh -huh. Russell, um, but before digging in, you know, he, he pretty much shows him various twisted versions of, you know, of, you know, shows Russell different different scenarios of, of himself having been tortured <laughs> with, with, with the different sort of like poses. And I thought that was quite funny because it kind of put me in mind of a kids' TV show we have here in the UK in a sick, twisted sort of way. We've got a show called Blue Peter. It's like the longest running TV show, you know kids show here in the UK and it's kind of like a magazine program and they make stuff on it every week and they, you know and because they only have 25 minutes to fill they'll go well here's one we made earlier <laughs> it kind of put me in mind of that <laughs> um, so. well let me tell you maybe running kids TV shows sort of puts you in a little bit of a twisted place you know maybe it's not that much of a coincidence that that UK show is a little twisted um, you know going through those ideas specifically 
in general, when we started the whole thing, we didn't start with a script or an idea for a movie. We had a general idea of someday we'd like to make a movie, but we had been, both of us, because I'm a cartoon writer and Eddie Gazalian, the screenwriter, is also a cartoon writer. Like he wrote Winnie the Pooh stuff. <laughs> so there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but we both had worked on a season of Power Rangers. It was season 17. So it had been going on. For, I didn't, we didn't even realize it had been going on so long. But it was shot in New Zealand. And we and the, so the cast was actors from New Zealand and Australia. And the actors were amazing. We just couldn't believe you know, that they would be in such a small country and actually be so good. Because mm-hmm. uh, we had worked on kids, live-action kids shows here, and it was difficult to find really good actors here in L.A., um, which is, you know, the acting capital of the world, I guess. Yeah. So we just wanted to do something with them. And so the three leads of Blood Punch, we had kept in touch with, we've kept in touch with all of them pretty much. They're all pretty much family at this point. And we thought, well, let's make a movie with these three leads because, you know, we're doing it ourselves, entirely ourselves. So we don't have a huge budget. We have a, so it has to be limited characters, limited locations. And what can we do given our limitations? And the actors we thought could pull off what we wanted to put them through, essentially, as actors. So we thought there's two boys and you know two males, one female. That's a love triangle. Uh-huh. And so we think, well, we also love film noir a lot. So that was a big inspiration. Is a very classical film noir love triangles. So we went down that road, and then we started just adding other genres <laughs> that we liked, like. Uh, black comedy and little supernatural element and a good amount of violence. So really, it, it sort of started more with the actors than anything, deciding on using them, and then we eventually morphed it into this. And as and since we were so close to them, we talked through their characters a lot, and there was a lot of discussion about, like, for example, that scene that you're talking about, where he's essentially, what he's doing is torturing Russell. Mm-hmm. Now... At the beginning of the movie, he's not that person. He's a very different, more regular person. He's, a, he's not completely well because he's in drug rehab, but he hasn't gotten to that casually easy, comfortable with casual violence place yet. And so that's essentially, but you know, you have to make it a little bit funny too, or it's so uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. So well, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I thought the actors were, were really, really good. I thought the uh, the guy that played Milton was absolutely fantastic, and and he seems to be the character that's that's had the biggest journey in the film. Yeah, he's, he's he's almost several different versions of the same person because you know he starts off. And we discuss this a lot with the characters, I mean, the actors, their characters, because he starts off innocent and then he slowly becomes less innocent, a lot less innocent, very comfortable with casual violence. And then, you know, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but then he kind of goes back to being what he was at the beginning for plot reasons that I don't want to get into because they're too spoilery. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I thought, I thought the acting was really good and, and Skyler, she's just... She's just sort of like the type of girl that you got to take home to mom. You know? <laughs> if you met her, you just wouldn't even believe what a sweet... I mean, she's adorable and sweet and nothing at all like Skylar. Mm-hmm. But she's just a tremendously fabulous actress. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just thought it was a really well-acted film. And I thought story-wise, it, there's a lot of great twists and turns um, in it that song. Like, um, you, you just don't see them coming. 
as a well, that's, that's what we're going for is you, it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride and you don't want it to be too predictable yeah as someone who's only actually really writ- written until doing blood puncher how much of a challenge was directing for you and hindsight being what it what it is um do you think there's anything that that you would have liked to have sort of like done a bit differently or spent a little bit more time on well i think hindsight really is always 2020 um for me i've never directed a movie before so this is a pretty big undertaking. Uh, I had I had studied filmmaking. I had watched a ton of movies, which I think is very, very helpful, believe it or not. Um, and the actors actually had quite a lot of experience being on sets. So they were a calming influence, believe it or not, because they were less newbies than we were as far as being on a movie set. Uh they were very comfortable with it. We weren't, so we learned from them as much as, as anything. And I don't know, you know, there's just a million things. So much goes wrong. I think we were prepared that production is essentially a, a long Murphy's law scenario where everything that can go wrong will. And it's just about how fast can you adapt to that and fix it? Mm-hmm. And we had that happen a lot from, from day one. I mean, from literally day one, where we had a snowstorm in the mountains in November, which typically doesn't get snowstorms up there. And our camera truck couldn't get up there. It was sliding around all over the place. And we went through lots of weather things, like a snowstorm, a sandstorm in the desert. Wow. We had a bomb scare. <laughs> one of our actors ended up in the hospital and on the day he was supposed to shoot. So, um, you know, what would I do differently? That's an excellent question. As far as production goes, I'm not sure. I think picking your crew is very important. We were we were lucky with our cast. Our cast were not divas at all. Um, and we, for the most part, had a good crew. But you want people who are willing to go through that with you, especially when you're not really paying them very much. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something to, for us to keep in mind for the future. Yeah, you, you might want to consider some like uh, building a weather machine or something. <laughs> Man, we'd be rich. <laughs> yeah, you could like you could sublet it to our different film crews around the world. <laughs> California, we could just have used it to keep it from having being in a drought this whole time, this summer. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when not working on television and, and film, what sort of television films do you most enjoy to watch as a viewer? You know, I tend to like as for as far as TV goes. Anything that's about usually an hour long that ha- and you know one of my favorite series actually was from you guys it was Misfits. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that show so much. So anything that falls into anything with a bit of drama, a, a bit of a mashup of stuff like a little action, a little drama, maybe a little sci-fi and some comedy. For me it's the sweet spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same, you know, I love my Doctor Who, but I kind of prefer the classic Doctor Who. I mean, I still like <laughs> the new one, but I, I grew up with the classic, so, <laughs> you know. Right. I, I sort of like have this analogy that the new show is just kind of like, what, like having pizza, because it's so <laughs> quick and fast, and narratively it's, you know, it's like a, it's like a sprint. Whereas the uh, the old serials back in the uh, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, they, they were done over song like maybe four or five weeks and twenty five minute segments sort of thing, and right, there was a cliffhanger right. at the end of each one. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I like, I like stuff like Supernatural. Uh, 
I, I enjoyed I I enjoyed Misfits as well. So like um, I also I've got I've got a guilty pleasure for eighties TV. Um, and this kind of leads into my next uh, question because something I enjoyed about Blood Punch was the fact that your characters were kind of like, were kind of like breaking the third wall by narrating events um, of the plot in, in in almost sort of like a Madden PI or MacGyver fashion. Um, whose idea was was it to take that approach? Well, actually, if you if, I would say if you if you know film noir pretty well, particularly very original classic film noir like Double Indemnity, the character essentially starts out narrating very similarly. It's not to himself, but he starts out telling the story to another character as a recording to another character. And so you could say we lifted that idea a bit essentially to to wrap around as a storytelling device yeah it worked it worked really really well <laughs> um you know you. it was it's kind of a little bit disturbing where you had russell you know where you hit it you hit the narrate narration of milton and you, you, the next thing you see is something like a black and white shot of him you know stood by the bath with uh, some of his fingers uh, that have been sort of like chopped off <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, you know that that's, that kind of a uh, really really works well, um, but you know, so like it's it's I I know what you mean from film noir because I think I think a lot of the Bogart movies used it as well. Yes, I, it's possible. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you you're probably right. You know, well, it's 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 kind of like um, it's something that I really like. You know, when when it's done well in dramas, and I think you did it really well in in Blood Punch. Thank you so much. What what other um, what other projects would you like to work on in the future if you if you're given given the chance to sort of like pursue other genres of film as as a director or or, or writer? Well, um, that's a great question. Uh, something I have no experience with, but is something I love is musicals. I don't think about music and I don't know how to write music, but I do love a good musical. Um, so that would be a bit of a stretch for me. You know, if I was just going to make something on my own, I'd probably stick closer to what I actually know because just to, you know, it's hard enough as it is when you're doing it yourself. Might as well <laughs> stick to a little bit something you're closer, you know a bit more. Um, but I wouldn't discount doing something that I didn't know, because, you know, it's got to stretch. Yeah, and, you know, so I can, and um, I think Blood Punch, for, for a first-time director, you know, so I think it's got a bit of every genre in there. That's true. I mean, it's kind of a thing that I love, is anything that's sort of a mashup of different genres is uh, usually has a special place in my heart. I don't know if you've ever seen this French film called Brotherhood of the Wolf, um, but it, that's it's French, you know, so it's foreign, and it's it's a it's like a werewolf movie or monster movie uh-huh. and a kung fu movie and a period drama all together. And I just love that movie, and I love just mixing stuff up like that. I, I wonder if there'll be an English version of that movie, or if it's dubbed, because um, I, um, I'm i dyslexic, so I'd have trouble reading the subtitles. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, see, I don't know. It's been a few, that movie's been around a few years now. Could be as many as ten, I'm not even sure. But, yeah, no, I've never heard of anybody thinking, talking about, you know what, there really needs to be a Brotherhood of the Wolf remake in English. Like they tend to do with a lot of, I guess they do that with TV shows more than 
Well, they did it with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as well. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I'll take on Brotherhood of the Wolf, the English version. <laughs> that, that'd be cool because, you know, Girl, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I think they did actually release them as dubbed versions of, of the original film and they, they, they also did the original spoken version. Um, I mean... You know, I, I kind of um, I kind of read the books, but it took me you know it took me ages to to read the books because because of my dyslexia. It can take me about you know a month, maybe two, to get through a six hundred page novel. You know? Audio books, that's what I recommend. Yeah, there there is that, but I think you kind of lose something in 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 translation because it's somebody else's you know perspective in an audio book. Yeah, the narrator matters a lot mm-hmm. for audio books. Um, okay, well, given the actors that you that you had in, in Blood Punch, they're not really huge names um, as yet in the industry. Um, has, has the film helped any of them onto bigger roles? Well, uh, Milo Cawthorn, who plays Milton, was also in another horror movie. You know, they're from New Zealand, all, the, main, the three leads. Uh, and he's back in New Zealand, and he was in a movie called Deathgasm that will be, I think it's coming out at least in the U.S. in October. Um, and he was also in, in New Zealand, they're, they're shooting a series of The Evil Dead called Ash versus The Evil Dead. Oh, right, yeah. I'm, I'm so and he's, in, he's in an episode of that, which I couldn't be happier about. I'm so but, looking forward to that series. I, I am. I, I mean, the trailers, the trailer makes it look phenomenal. You know, it's perfect. It's exactly in my wheelhouse. It's like horror and it's funny. Yeah, I, I love the Evil Dead movies. Um, you know, song like the originals back in the back in the nineties. But I, I even quite enjoyed the uh, the reboot that they did a couple of years ago. Oh really? Yeah, I thought that was. I thought it was a pretty good good attempt. You know, it <laughs> it, it didn't. Uh, yeah. It was, I feel sorry for them. Anybody trying to do a reboot of those, you know. It was darker. It was so like they tried to make it darker and scary, and a lot of the humor was gone. But, right. I mean, that's that's kind of an issue for me. But um, like that RoboCop reboot. RoboCop is literally my number two favorite movie of all time. And you know, you can't do a PG thirteen version of RoboCop. Yeah, you know, so like uh, I, I've seen, I've seen the reboot. Um, I still prefer the original. Yeah, me too, by a long shot. And um, you know, and RoboCop two was hilarious. <laughs> you know, with the uh, with the kid. <laughs> but, you know, um, this kid reminds me of my nephew. <laughs> so, just um, it, it's kind kind of realistic. Um, obviously, making you know such dark human film is going to be uh, pretty tough for all concerned. Um, are there any funny stories or practical jokes from the production? on the film that you could maybe uh, talk about? Um, funny stories. I mean, we, <laughs> we were constantly just trying to get it made, and all our stories are possibly horrific and maybe funny in hindsight. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had to evacuate because of a bomb scare. Mm-hmm. Um, we were out in the desert, and there wasn't a military base out there, and I guess they had a bomb scare, and they just made us all leave. Bright and early, the cops were there telling us, you have to get out. There's bomb scare, but well, we got a film, which at the time wasn't very funny, but it's funnier now. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that happens. You can have some quite, you know, horrible experiences uh, going along in life, do, doing stuff, and um, and when you look, at, look back on them, you know, it's sort of like the, the absurdity of them, just sort of like... You know. <laughs> yeah, I think all of it... You know, film production is sort of absurd. I think the whole thing is—it's mm. difficult and it's absurd and funny. 
So I remember going on a trip once um, with, with a sports club and the, uh, the lady that was driving the bus, uh, we'd stopped off somewhere for some fish and chips because we were on our way home. We'd been driving, been driving for about five hours. <laughs> and she left the handbrake on, on while, while, while I was on a hill. And obviously, because she left the handbrake on, we started rolling down this bloody hill. <laughs> So it's like me and me and this uh, this other lady called Joanne who were on the bus. We sort of darted to the front of the bus and sort of like had to sort of like slam the handbrake down to prevent us from going down, <laughs> sort of thing. And there's another instance where she drove this minibus that we borrowed uh, underneath a clearance that was too low for the bus, and uh, part of the roof came off. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> you know, so that yeah, you know, I've I've had some you know quite funny experiences like that. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're also we're just we were a small because ultimately, as far as movie production goes, we're pretty we were a pretty small group of people, and you know, you are a small group when sometimes extras in the background are actually your stars that are just not having to be shot that day. <laughs> so. Yeah. And sometimes, like, you know, there's a lot of dead bodies in the shot. And, again, not to give away any spoilers, but there's shots where there's a bunch of dead bodies of the same character. And pretty much all of us had to fill in and be one of those bodies in costume because we just didn't have enough people. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, the actors need something to react to, you know, and, you know. Yeah, exactly. So. Kind of like the classic CGI thing. Um, well, you know, I'm just talking to a tennis ball on a stick at the moment. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, exactly. it's kind of like that thing. Um, it kind of amazes me that actors can actually do that and pull it off and keep a straight face. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I really don't. I mean, I guess that they're actors and professionals and they got to do it. But sometimes you really can tell that they're just not reacting. They're pretending, but they're not really having to react to anything. I think I'd be saying, it's a ball. What's my motivation? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's, been, it's been great speaking to you. Do you have any other projects lined up? Or are you, are you sort of like really busy promoting the, uh, the, the DVD and the uh, Blu-ray release? Yeah, right now it's mostly doing promo. And my still my day job as a cartoon writer, because that's why I pay bills, you know, um, until this movie money starts flowing in. <laughs> But yeah, we, we're still we're always talking about what what do we want to do next, and we float essentially floating around the ideas of another movie of our own, um, small, or maybe doing a series of some kind. What about web series? Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that you can that's what we play with because with the idea of because nobody has to give you permission to do that. You know, you don't need to go to a studio and get money to do that to have it air somewhere. Because mm -hmm. anybody can put up a series online. Um, I don't know how profitable that is, but it could be a lot of fun. So we were seriously considering anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I know people that do web series. Um, a friend of mine, um, Mark Pyle, he's recently written a book about web series. Um, kind of like a history of and uh, how, how to go about setting one up sort of thing. Um, and I was actually a producer on his web series. Although the funny thing is, I was in England and he was over there in something like uh, Kentucky, something like with his cast and crew. So I, I, I basically something like uh, I quarterbacked it from England, I guess. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, Dude, what's the name of the book, if you don't mind? It's called Television on the Wild Wild Web: How to Blaze Your Own Trail, and it's by Mars H. Pyle. Oh, great! I'll check it out. 
Yeah, because he, he saw like um, he, he even he got that released last year, and um, I, I actually wrote a forward for it. So, oh, which was excellent! Really I would love cool. to read that as well. <laughs> um, but so like um, he, he did a web series called Reality on Demand. But you know, over 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 the last couple of years, he's gotten to know quite a lot of people um, in in the web series community, and uh, he's been involved with the award ceremonies. Um, he he he, um, he actually gave an award at one of the award ceremonies and and such. So yeah. That's- that's really fascinating to me, all of the, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of like, um, I, I've got a feeling, I mean, it's already sort of taken over from mainstream television in a way, because like Netflix is producing its own stuff now, and and, and Amazon, and, um, you know, and, it's, and, and, that, and I think that's kind of like the next evolution of television. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great speaking to you. And really best of luck with the uh, DVD and Blu-ray release of the movie. Um, I'm hoping it does really well for you. Thank you so much. It's been great having this chat with you. Came here and they spilled blood. That's what triggers it. That's what starts this whole cycle. One of us is going to walk out of here with that knife. Russell isn't smart enough to find a way out of this place. But you are. You kill me, or I kill you. Let's just say I'll see you in hell leave it at that. Yeah, maybe I'll see you in hell. Or maybe I'll see you tomorrow. And that about wraps things up for uh, this week. Um, hope you enjoyed um, this, uh, this interview. Uh, we actually have... Um, a Halloween special coming up um, over at weekend, which is going to be on here in both Mod Talk Radio. It's basically the return of uh, T. Sean Hardy and his wife Linda, and we're going to be sort of like doing a countdown of our top of our top ten favorite iconic horror heroes and villains. Um, so we have that to look forward to uh, next week. Um, also, um, you know, keep an eye out for uh, Jean Retainment, which is um, a great show that's done by Marks and Junior Pyle. Um, they, they'll have a, a new episode uh, coming up probably in the next couple of days, if not sooner. So keep an eye out for that um, because they do some great stuff. And you can also catch up with us on Blog Talk Radio um, on the League of Geeks network. So if you go over to blogtalkradio.com forward slash League of Geeks, uh, you can catch um, episodes of SFP there, um, along with um, additional commentary and and so forth, um, as well as um, episodes of uh, Genre Tainment and the fantastic show Super Geeked Up. That's about all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks as always for listening, and we'll be back at you real soon. <laughs>